Captain Picard, priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Am I ready, Roman? Longest running Star Trek The Next Generation rewatch podcast every week of the year. We're bringing you Star Trek stories and behind the scenes of the next generation, which in turn is the best generation of Star Trek. My name is Mitchell Mels, Chief Consultant of Services at Paramount, and with me is my life partner, Brandon Hobbs, Head of Resources Management. Brandon, how are we doing today? Doing great, Mitch. We had a very unusually long off mic conversation before this episode. Yeah, I thought I was recording, but as it turns out, I was not. Yeah, so now we kind of have to redo everything. Right, um, right, right. So why don't we start from the beginning? Um, hello, I'm Mitchell Mills. Is, I, I'm sorry, that's how we start all of our conversations together. I don't want the audience mm-hmm. to get confused. But yeah, uh, yeah. It's, uh, it's some good times recently. Yeah, yeah, oh, certainly, certainly. I understand you. Uh... Well, you know what? No, let's 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 get into that conversation later. All right, there's a time and a place for everything, and uh, the time is later and the place is later. So, mm-hmm. But I'm lo- really looking forward to today where we're kind of wrapping up um, phase one of the next generation. Yeah, yeah, wow. Um, it's, it's <laughs> wow. This is a big deal because, as you know, <clears throat> we kind of, each phase corresponds to the... Um, the costume changes. Yes, right? that's that's the hallmark of the of the the timeline of TNG. So you're you're gonna see phase one is is season one and two. We're starting phase two in season three, and you're gonna see some um, drastic uh, wardrobe uh, uh, changes very soon. Yes. Which I'm personally very excited for. I I, I don't know about you, Mitch, but uh, I I love I love the new um, the new Starfleet uniforms. As do I. Um, I really. I really like them, and I think this phase lasts until Picard gets his his captain's jacket. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, um, yeah. When he gets his groove back. Yeah, yeah. In in Darmok. Um, <laughs> that's that's the the onset of the, of phase three. But right. I, it's weird to me that, and this might just be a perception thing, that season three kind of because of the uniforms or rather that the uniforms came at the at the onset of uh of better production values overall such that the show looks better and the characters are dressed better and um it's hard to not equate that better feeling of the of the show to the uniforms well yeah i mean it did it did give everyone a bit of a boost in morale um they they didn't have to constantly tug at their uniforms every time they sat down Right, they still did, um, just out of habit. They still did, yeah, yeah, but they didn't have to. Yes, and it was that that kind of freedom that allowed them to express themselves a little bit more. Um, I mean, as you know, a, a, a Starfleet jumpsuit isn't necessarily the most uh, um, appealing thing one could wear. No, no, no. You know, it, it definitely shows off your curves in all the wrong ways. But not... the new one, mm. the new one, much better. Yeah. A lot of the things we see introduced in season three are for the better. Now we'll, of course, get into that in excruciatingly uh, 
thorough detail next week. But look forward to it, because I certainly am. Look, look forward to it. Are you looking forward to it? I'm looking forward to it. Okay, good. If Good. Okay. <laughs> so this week, we have a question of the week. Um, and it comes from Hamish in Mulvania. And Hamish asks, and I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. I assume it's not Hamish? That, um, yeah, that could be. It could be. That sounds like an amalgamation of ham and sandwich. Mm-hmm. Like, Mom, make me a hamish. <laughs> what? <laughs> make me a hamish. Anyway, uh, Hamish asks, Dear Admirals, how can I get my girlfriend into Star Trek? It's by far my biggest hobby, and I want to share it with the girl I love. Over our two weeks together, I've tried to put it on a few times, but she always gets disinterested and leaves before Act 3. What can I do? And I think that you've had um, very similar experiences to this with with success. So I, I think that Hamish would be very, very grateful if you could share the secret to, to success here. Yeah, well... <clears throat> um... I wouldn't really call it a success. Um, it was it was kind of more like uh, uh, bashing my own head against the wall, Mitch. Mm. But um, it did result in a, a fully watched episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation, for sure. Uh, disclaimer: I wouldn't recommend anyone replicate this at all. Okay. Um, as as we both know, if you're a Star Trek fan, um, you kind of want to keep that a secret. Mm. Biggest right. shame. It's it's you're not going to you're not going to do any good for your relationship by trying to get your significant other to watch Star Trek. Mm. In fact, this it's probably going to ruin it. However, here's how you do it. Here's here's how you do it. First of all, you have her watch Star Wars. Okay. okay. On ramp. It's yes. Um, it's it's kind of low effort, uh, fantasy sci-fi, you know, hero's journey kind of thing, right? Hmm. You have her watch Star Wars. You get her through. If you can get her through the prequel trilogy, you can probably get her through anything. Even but childbirth. Even childbirth. <laughs> it's a lot less painful. Um, but just as long. Then you have her watch Joss Whedon's Firefly. Okay? Have her watch Firefly all the way through, which she'll love because it's Joss Whedon, of course. Right. Then you have her watch the entirety of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, so following the Joss Whedon. Following the Joss Whedon. Um, just as an aside, you have her watch the entirety of that. Okay. Then you rewatch The Office for the twelfth time with her. That's more of a concession, okay. right? Right. It's kind of like a, a breather. Yeah. Okay. The entire you have to do the if you don't do the, the whole thing, it doesn't count. Okay. But remember do the whole thing. You have to skip Scott's tots. No women. No woman will, will ever. Uh, they they, they, they can't. They can't take it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, they don't understand what it's like to to have any kind of of um, outstanding obligation. Right. 
<laughs> um, and then, um, <clears throat> what was the next part? I, I believe the, the next the office, and then you have well, once. Oh, oh no, no, don't. Then you have her watch the UK office to educate her on on what the office should have been, right? right? And you, you have to watch the UK office. You have to make mm -hmm. sure to cut in with um, with biting remarks about the American version every right. every, every time you can. Like, right, you uh, got to train her to to understand what what real humor is, mm. of course. And then, then now now that she's familiar with Ricky Gervais, you have her watch extras. Okay, you have her watch extras at least until the Patrick Stewart episode. Oh my God, it's coming together. So you have her watch extras for the Patrick Stewart episode. She sees Patrick Stewart. She is enamored by him. She says, "Oh, who is that guy? Who is that? Who is that sexy bald man?" Um, and then you say, "Well, I have a show for you." Oh my God, it's genius! Go. Genius. There you go. And um, and then and then you break up because you don't want to date somebody who watches Star Trek. No, no, definitely, definitely not. <laughs> Once they watch Star Trek, they're ruined. They stop taking showers. Yeah. They just keep talking about quad quarters. Mm -hmm. Now, what I would do uh, in this situation is to take the audio from an episode, maybe just like put it on a streaming service, but while they're sleeping, put headphones on them so that they can hear TNG while they sleep. And, right. and they'll wake up with um, the words Riker on their lips, and uh, mm -hmm. the interest will follow. Right, right. Well, Riker is uh, um, a, a very sexual character. Indeed. Which, he, which women respond to. He's the most sexual character that uh, TNG had seen before. I would venture to say that he's more sexual than um, James Kirk. I would say so, yeah. And um, of course, you've seen the graph of uh, of um, uh, sex scenes in in film, and and how men and women respond to them, and 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 men don't respond well, but women respond very well to to sex scenes. So, uh, Riker is really there for the women, right? Do you, do you ever see people talking about uh, movies or or television shows, and they're like, "Man, why do they have to ruin this movie with with a with a sex scene?" Mm hmm. You ever think that these people are like children? Like, well, you know, <clears throat> I actually read a study, Mitch, that um, aversion a to. Well, this was specifically kissing scenes, but an aversion to kissing scenes, I think, makes you less likely to be a psychopath or a sociopath. Sorry, a sociopath. An aversion to kissing scenes is less likely yes. to be sociopathic. Yes. Interesting. Uh, that might mm -hmm. explain some things. Now, you're saying that women don't have this aversion. They don't have this aversion. Interesting. It is, this warrants mm -hmm. further study. It, it definitely does. Uh, we should fund it with um, with the money we're getting from the ready room. Right, right. And now, I've, I am sorry to report to the world that the GoFundMe, despite reaching its goal, the GoFundMe for the Zoom box is, um, is being canceled unceremoniously however we can use those funds and funnel them into this study so that the the donators still get something some value well why don't, why don't we tell the ensigns why it's being canceled because this is this is this kind of makes my blood boil uh, okay well okay there's a lot of things to this so we mentioned that 
the zoom box being a skateboard hybrid the volume scales with how fast the, the wheels are the rpm and mm-hmm. now there's these regulations on how fast something can go if it's in a quote electric scooter now you might not know this because i certainly did not but the definition of an electric scooter has like a radio capability built into it so even though this is a skateboard the fact that it can play music qualifies it as an electric scooter and thus it is mm-hmm. subject to the the guidelines that that define this because of that it has to meet a certain amount of um you know or speed that that it can that it can reach and a skateboard not being motorized but rather instead almost working as a motor for the for the for the zoom box itself um it just wasn't fast enough and it it we couldn't configure it to meet the, the the government's guidelines on electric scooters, so the whole project had just had to be scrapped. Um, conceivably, and we kicked around this idea, we could have built them, constructed them in um, overseas. In I think it was Guam. Guam does not have these same laws, but right at that point, if we were going to sell them to the ensigns back home or really anybody in the u.s they wouldn't really be able to ride it because if the cops you know ticketed them and asked oh where's your electric scooter license um what would they show them you know right so it's it, it for now it's still a dream it's still my dream but the world it just isn't ready it um i would argue it also didn't help that we were retweeted by a guy named uh Ben Shapiro. Yeah, I uh, after Which, that. I don't even know what that is, but that uh, that really that really brought them down upon us, huh? Our replies on Twitter were very toxic. Following that, I don't, I, I don't even know who that is. Who is that? I he's got to be part of Big Scooter. It's the only thing I could think of. It, it's it's got to be. I, I I can't think of anything else. But um, honestly, it's 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 ridiculous the the lack of freedom we really have in this country, Mitch. Yeah, but, but you know, what are you going to do? Those funds will still be appropriated for the greater good, um, studying the sociopathic tendencies of women. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I can only hope that our conclusion, our breakthrough, is uh, enough to sate those left wanting by their lack of Zoombox. Yeah, which I think I think the demographic matches up. Agreed. Agreed. So, great things are coming. Um... Rest assured, I want to assuage all of the the fears and concerns of the ensigns. And um, if you're worried that, you know, I donated to this GoFundMe and now my money is being used for something else, you can always donate to the Patreon instead, and um, you know where that's going. Exactly. Exactly. So, Hamish, I hope that answers your question. Um, Best of luck to you and to yours and to ourselves as we start this new research venture. Um, Mm -hmm. If you too have a question of the week that you want us to answer on the question of the week segment of our weekly podcast, where we answer questions, you can send an email to the ready room at gmail.com. That's with a capital T and two capital R's. And, um, Oh, I, I, we never specify this. The second capital R is the beginning of room, not the end of readier. So, be careful about that. <laughs> right, that's that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we have gotten a few bounce backs <laughs> because of that. So yes, just make sure that 
that yes, the capital R is for room. I remember one time somebody capitalized the final R in readier and the first R of room, which was just Oof. so far off. Um, I, I think I think they shut down our servers when they did that. Yeah, it, the computer wasn't really built to handle. It was similar to Y2K in a lot of ways. Um, now you can also tweet at us at the readier room and. We'll see your questions, we will read them, absorb them, think about them, and finally answer them on our prestigious prost, prestigious, prestigious podcast. I can't even talk. Anyway. Yep. 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 So, today, yeah. we're talking about Star Trek, the final episode. The final episode of Season 2, Shades of Grey. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, Mitch, what did you think of uh, Shades of Grey? So... These days, I mean, Shades of Grey, I, I, I try to think about it in terms of metaphor, um, yeah. where it's got, like, this core, but everything that branches off of the core of it is, um, kind of prickles you, kind of bristles you, and it, mm-hmm. it's not really, um, something that you really want to be engaged with or to, to be touching or to be feeling. Um, right, much, much like a, much like a cactus. That's right. That's right. Um, and cacti, I think, are really just wonderful plants. They're fascinating, aren't they, Mitch? Yeah. So uh, my boom recently, my my boom. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Your your my boom. Right. My my boom. I've been a bit of a cactus collector. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have three. You've gone into it. Oh yeah, I have three little guys here, right on my desk. Um, I've named them actually. There's uh Well, I think they've already been named by scientists, but go ahead. Well, I mean my names are better, but and, oh, come on. Botanist, scientist, really? Alright. Um anyway, we we have <laughs> Sasha, Alexandra, and Mitsuko. Wow. Mm. Wow. Really uh really spanning the globe with that one, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, okay, so who is Sasha? Sasha is a, um, kind of like, it it looks the most like the stereotypical image of a cactus. Um, kind of a, it's, it's thin all around. It's got one main root with a couple of offshoots and, Mm -hmm. uh, kind of a, a, a thin pointy individual. Um, Alexandra is a short, kind of thicker, stubby, little fat, cactus that's that's blossoming with flowers and then right Mitsuko, as the name implies has like three big um oh yeah 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 the, the big tall almost like a like a succulent kind of thing yeah exactly exactly <laughs> yeah so how long has alexander been flowering um basically since since i bought her um, when was that three weeks ago a month ago Oh wow, that's that's a long time mm. to be flowering. Do you give them a lot of sunlight, or do you just keep them inside? I keep them. So what I did was I keep them on my table here, and I've cracked open my curtain such that at certain times mm-hmm. of day the sun peeks in and hits one side of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've um, I've I've got my own cactus, of course. Um, I actually haven't given it any sunlight <laughs> really. <laughs> um, it looks healthy. Um, I haven't given it a lot of sunlight recently, but uh, it's it's a it's um the the mammillaria bocas bocas bocasana. Oh, he knows the genus. 
Now, yeah, it's a, it's it's a it's a little little um, little short stout. Got some. Um, uh, it's 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 like it's like se- several pillars jutting out of a central core. I like um, it every every which way, and it it also flowers, but it only flowered for a few weeks for me, and I I even gave it quite a bit of sunlight too, and it, that, that's all it did. So I, I guess I have to wait a few months for it to flower again. Now you said it doesn't get much sunlight, but do you smile at it? I mean, I talk to it. Well, if you smile at it, at least something will be beaming at the thing. But mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Did, did you give it a name? No. Do you do you want uh, do you want to name it right now? Yeah, live on the readier room. Um, now it doesn't um, doesn't have to be. You a, know what? It, yeah. Do you know what it looks like? Do you want me to send you a picture of what it looks like? Yeah, send me a picture. The audience can enjoy this too. All right. Hold on. I'm taking a picture. All right, I'm I'm on the edge of my seat. Hold on. It's coming. It's coming. Okay. I I sent the picture. Wow, this is um this is quite the cactus. It is. It's a lot more bountiful than any of my cactus cacti. It's it's very full. It kind of looks like pepper's gone wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like it. Um, now, here's a question. I think you and I have very different opinions on this. Watering cactuses, cacti. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how often and with what water? Um, <clears throat> probably every once a month or so, I just run it under the tap mm. for... I, I really just eyeball it. Okay. Every but I, I I don't give it too much. I, I'm much more conservative with the water that I give it because I don't want to give it. To, if you give it too much, I mean, obviously cacti just aren't aren't equipped to deal with that. Right. I think about every two and a half weeks, I give all three of them a dash of seltzer, and <laughs> it's important. <laughs> well, at least at least they're living large, aren't they? Yeah. What what, what cactus really gets seltzer? It's it's kind of like a it's it's like a spicy water. <laughs> yeah, it's like giving your dog chocolate. <laughs> no, I think I think seltzer's fine for cacti. I think it's yeah. fine. Now, there's you, no reason that carbonation would do anything to them, right? What you want to do is crack open a fresh one, so when you pour it in, the this the the <laughs> seltzer and hitting the soil releases a bit of steam. Right, right, right. It's it's good you're, times. You're, you're almost kind of like burning them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they've been prospering under this new diet. Yeah, I would I would say. During the winter time, though, you want to water them a little bit less. Although maybe with with the small amount of water you give them, it's probably fine. Are, I'm not sure. Are they hibernating at that time? Well, the winter the the issue is with heat. So, like in the summertime, you want to water them more because heat obviously evaporates more water. Mm. So, winter time, you can. I think I think the general idea is, and this varies from cactus to cactus, of course. But um, for my particular cactus, I think it's 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 you know water them every couple of weeks during the summertime when it's hot Mm. water them every every month or so when it's cold interesting now have you considered the idea that i keep my apartment in a perpetual state of roughly 22 degrees 22 degrees jesus 
Well, I mean, in the winter, it's basically what how cold it gets, and in the summer, the, the air conditioner is pu- putting in overtime. You know what bothers me about about regulating temperature in the winter time? Great question, but no, I don't know. It's it's that um, you can turn the heat up to a, like you know you have a thermometer or whatever, right? That's not the word, is it? <laughs> Thermostat. Thermostat. <laughs> <laughs> So you have a thermostat. I'm sorry, I was thinking in Japanese. Uh. Um, <laughs> so you have a thermostat, and you you turn it up to a certain degree, right? But it never reaches that degree because it never senses just how cold it is outside, mm-hmm. and you're constantly being pelted by like wind coming in through the cracks of of your uh, your house slash apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's always much colder than you expect it to be. Yeah, I buy this. Am I wrong? No, you're not. The The key is to sweat yourself out. Um, it, it, uh, something that I experience quite often in the winter is to turn on my heater while I go to sleep. And what I do is I set it to like 31, 32 degrees and <laughs> go to sleep. And, and then I wake up just delirious with sweat and wanting to vomit. <laughs> And then I turn off the heater and fall back asleep. <laughs> you do actually do this too, don't you? Yeah, of course. What do you think? I'm joking. <laughs> so <clears throat> there, there's always this 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 debate, or not debate, but there's there's this kind of dichotomy that that people sort of think of, and I'm not sure if it's true, but they they say there's people who sleep cold and people who sleep hot. This is true. Um, now I'm a bit unique. I do both depending on the time of year. If if it's the summer, I'll put on 18 degrees and a hoodie and go to sleep like that. And if it's the winter, like I just told you, like 31 and and uh, wake up in a sauna. So 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 you you are very comfortable in the cold. Uh, extremely comfortable in the cold, I would say. Which which I do remember from from when way back in the day. I would sleep on your floor, and you would blast the air conditioner in my face, uh, and I'd, I'd be awake all night, and uh, and you would be sleeping soundly. Um, so, so you 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 must be a sleep hot kind of guy. Well, I like to, I like it to be cold, outside of my bed. Is, is what so I so, like. so so here's 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 what this means: is that when you sleep, you 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 generate more body heat when you sleep. Yes, yes, and here's... whereas when when I sleep, I generate much less body heat, so I I get cold very easily. Here's the thing: this has been a constant thorn in my side throughout my life, and you know this through firsthand experience. I am very terrible at sleeping alongside other people. Um, mm-hmm. It's a. I mean, I like to keep the room in various states of extreme temperature, which just other people can't abide by. Mm-hmm. But when it, if anybody is in the same bed as me and wants to like you know snuggle up or whatever, it's yeah, too hot. It gets way too hot. Um, right. And I, I have a history of like while I'm asleep, you know, like pushing somebody away or like kicking them off mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, if, don't come between me and my sleep. <laughs> you know how dangerous that is. I, oh, I'm well aware. I'm well aware. I've ended up on the floor several times. Yeah, so I, I I never thought about this in the 
sense of body heat and temperature, but that would be a, a good explanation. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I think that is. I think you just generate a lot of body heat. Um, although that, that does kind of sort of raise the question of why you, you raise the temperature to 32 degrees. I mean, I just, um, it's kind of like a, um, what's the word? Uh, there's been a desensitization um, in, in so far as I just need, <laughs> I can only feel the extreme ends of the spectrum. <laughs> it's kind of like oh i want to get drunk better down an entire bottle of whiskey otherwise right it's right, not right. Gonna feel fair it. enough fair enough fair enough but yep we've all been there so listen um the only note i had for this episode mm-hmm. was um freak's massive rib cage yes oh my goodness so he's lying down and <laughs> oh my goodness i can't believe I can't believe we both took note of this. Um, and his his form-fitting, tight-fitting uniform uh, belies his massive rib cage. He, it's, right. it's it's very angular, and it's huge. He just kind of collapses in after the rib cage because at this point well, he look, was look, still in, in good shape. Mitch, here's 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 why I note this is because I also have a massive rib cage. Yeah. Um, do you? And. I, I've never worn a form-fitting uh, uh, jumpsuit before, but if I had, you, you would probably notice. Yeah, it's huge. I, I is is that what they call barrel-chested? Maybe. Yeah, that could be. I don't know. Like it just it like you know where 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 the rib cage flares out, it just juts out like like crazy. Mm. I wouldn't say that mine is massive, but I would say it's bigger than average, and especially bigger than average in Japan. Um, mm-hmm. It's very annoying because if I want to buy a shirt, uh, like the stomach area, the arms, those will all be fine, but it's unnecessarily tight around the chest. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, I think we can both relate to Frakes in that respect. Indeed, indeed. And uh, perhaps our our own insecurities about our ribcage led us to noticing this. (laughs) Maybe. Because otherwise, why why are you staring at a man's ribcage? (laughs) Maybe that's why we got along with Freaks so well on set. Yeah, I mean, um, we we called ourselves the Barrel Brothers, as the, the yeah, Barrel right, Chested, right, right. right. <laughs> and you know, we had our own little whistling theme song that we did in a secret handshake. <laughs> but I, I'm sure the audience want to hear about that. Right, right. Yeah, no, it's uh, we we can we can we can we can leave that to the imagination. I think. So um, I was just thinking of our, you know the song we would sing, but it was good times. Anyway, what? Yeah, the Barrel Brothers song. Oh, the Barrel Brothers song. Yeah, right. You know, the we're the Barrel Brothers, and we're rolling downhill. Our big rib cage is our finest skill. You know, you remember, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's coming back to me now. How did it end? Um, what was the the other half of the verse? <laughs> Mitch. <laughs> Uh, I not guess now. I guess not everybody remembers the good times. Not everybody remembers <laughs> that quickly. Anyway, yeah. So recently, um, you, you, got the, you got the easier part of that song, just so you know. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, <laughs> he's he's making me look bad. <laughs> You basically created the paradigm of what that song would be. (laughs) 
Oh, uh, God. It, it's, it reminds... You ever see that episode where there's... um? I don't know. We might have watched this episode. No, I think it was after. After where we've seen so far. Um, Picard is replaced by a fake Captain Picard. <laughs> and he he does a lot of things that Picard wouldn't do. But chief among them is going to 10 forward and leading the entire uh, <laughs> staff <laughs> in, in like an old drinking song. Yes. That was, that was a really good episode from what I remember. It was uh the actual Picard's trapped in like a in a room with three other aliens and there's right. a lot of paranoia and so it was a good episode but that that drinking song was the the inspiration for uh, Yeah, that was that was the, that the was Barrel the Brothers for, the, for that for that whole episode really. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. So recently um speaking of Star Trek the Next Generation um I've been really into um this this other Netflix original series, right, right, much much like the Netflix original series Star Trek: The Next Generation. Exactly, exactly. Um, and I, this, I promise this is related. The you, you've seen Midnight Mass, right? Oh yeah, of course I've seen Midnight Mass. Okay, before I get to my point, uh, just real quick, what did you think about it? Um, well, Mitch, uh, I thought it was a um. I mean, I thought it was great. Of course, mm. it was very interesting. It was it was gripping. It had a great narrative. Um, my thesis statement for why the show might not be great is: I thought it was very not anti-religious, but almost anti-spiritual. That's that's. I had the opposite read on the situation. Um, I thought the the theme of it was was against more organized senses of religion and more for uh personal spiritual interpretations of things because a lot of the primary antagonist of of the series um her big shtick is interpreting the bible to suit whatever her current need is um whereas somebody like the uh the priest who's ultimately redeemed as a as a good person in the end um Instead of sticking to whatever the rule is, he uses his own personal moral compass of like, okay, I just just need to help people regardless of the situation. Um, you know, he tries to get everybody into the into the church before it uh, burns down. Whereas the you know the woman wants to shun people who just aren't as pious as she is. Um, so in that sense, I thought that it was more pro spirituality than. Uh, than religion, organized religion. You know what bothered me was was the the line "I can't feel my legs" at the end. Oh, the very the very final line. That, why, really, why, that really bothered me. Why don't you go into why that is? Well, because, and maybe this is just me imposing what I thought the show was going to be at the time, but it's it's a matter of like, um, you know. God, how do I explain this, Mitch? It's it's just that this 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 character. I I had thought that um, at the time it was a matter of through her own will she kind of she kind of got through because because you know she 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 eventually goes on to forgive the guy who shot her, right? Yes. So in my mind, through it was almost like through her own will she kind of got over everything that was ailing her mm. emotionally. 
and and therefore recovered to a degree that she could walk again. And I mean, I guess as the show goes on, of course, it's like you know she drank vampire blood or whatever, but Dracula um, blood, Dracula blood. But I thought there was still something incongruent there, you know. Yeah, I'd buy that. Uh, like, like, like her arc was just not right because you don't, I, like, like to to be healed by an external force and then go and forgive the guy who shot you mm. is a little bit sad, I think. Mm. You know, it's like, of course you would forgive someone if, if someone else saved your life. Right. You it, know? It kind of takes away some of her agency. In the, it completely uh, takes away her agency. And, and it, that, that really bothered me. I think that was the thing that bothered me the most about the show. To me, I, I just don't see why that line is... Perhaps not thematically, but um, practically necessary. I, it's the very last line of the show. What does it add? Um exactly and that's that's also what bothered me and i mean maybe it adds that like oh well well what now we know the 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 big bad guy is dead or whatever but um oh yeah there's spoilers for midnight mass in this episode of the radio room right i'll Um, don't worry i'll take care of it in post okay okay but um and the way that line is said too you would think that if something was gonna be oh you know the evil is dead it's conquered it's we've won it would be a more triumphant line or a triumphant reading or something, but and not to say everything has to end on a happy tone, but it's very strange right. for, for the characters to look at each other distraught, like, I can't feel my legs. Cut. Um, yeah, it, no, I, I, I genuinely hated that, and I think that almost that almost ruined the show for me. I think that's <laughs> being be a little dramatic. It is, it's absolutely being dramatic, but I really hate it because it was such a to me, to, to me, it was such an inspiring, and this is obviously my own bias, of course, but to me, it was such an inspiring character arc of this this kid who who gets, you know, shot through no fault of her own, and then kind of is able to move past it, and um, yeah, maybe with the help of of um, the Pruitt, but. It's it's more like it's more like he inspired the confidence within her, you know. Is right. is, is what I had thought, but I mean, I guess no. At the end, it was just vampire blood. Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, fine to have an explanation for it that's concrete, you know. I I don't necessarily take umbrage with the fact that um, it was vampire blood the whole time, but it is cool that that scene where her you know she stands up in the way that that's drawn out of her rather than forcing her into that situation by like pulling her out of the chair or something. Yeah. Uh... Yeah. 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 And that's the thing. I mean, I mean, I don't know. I think, I think even if it was vampire blood, she still had to make the effort to, to stand and to walk and to get up. Right. Right. And, and to try. I, I also, I also think Pruitt as a person deserves some kind of uh, <laughs> doing something good. You know what I mean? Well, he, yeah, I, I think he does. I said this before. I think he does get his redemption at the end of the show when he makes himself stand against, um, I don't remember that right. woman's name, but, uh, you know, the, the fucking Helen Lovejoy, whatever, whatever her name is. Um, yeah, I, and, you know, it's whether or not that character deserves any kind of positive uh, depiction or redemption, you could, you could debate that because, Pruitt really 
screwed the pooch on that one. You know, bring, bringing a... He smuggled in a Dracula. You know, it's not something yeah, that... Wait, wait, he had sex with a dog? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he did. And which I don't was, remember that scene. Well, that was when he was still old and, and dementia-riddled. Oh, that's in the prequel. Right, right. Um, I really liked that character and their presence in the show. Basically, any scene that involved him was uh, really gripping. Which Oh, he's an amazing actor. Yeah, and the, the, the way the part was written was great. I think that choosing a, uh, a priest, and obviously priest, religion, mass, has a lot of uh, significance to the show in a variety of ways, but just from a utility standpoint, a priest delivers a homily, which is a pretty long-winded speech, which is just a great vessel for, for a good actor. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um and yeah, I, I think I think it was really kind of just the perfect um the the, the perfect point between just like a, a great actor and great writing, really. And and I think people take umbrage with the monologues here and there. Mm. Uh, may, maybe not from, from Link later, um from um um Pruitt, but um what did, one thing that did bother me was um, Sheriff Hassan's little um, monologue uh, at, near the very end there. Which, it felt a little forced, didn't it? Where was that? Was that when he was that with was his son in his house? That was when he was talking house? to the doctor. No, he was talking to the doctor. And Is he was it talking about his history how... with the with like cops? <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. say that all of the the monologues are equally successful. Um, but I don't think any of them were so detracting to me. I cared. That was, that was the only one that really stood out to me is like, we're spending a little bit too much time on this. Cause it's, it's in the middle of like something. I, I can't exactly remember where it takes place, but it's clearly an urgent situation. Mm. It, I think that character him and his son were among the most tangential of of the main main cast that gets uh, spotlight, and you know, yeah, it's not it's not bad, but I wasn't really invested in that in those two. You know, it's like his son exploring a new faith and his crisis with that. Like, I, I mean, that's that's an see. I, I was I was interested in Hassan because I think I think wait, Hassan or his son? No, Hassan, Sheriff Hassan. Okay. Okay. I thought you meant his son. The sheriff. We'll just call him the sheriff. He's the Who's sheriff. The sheriff. <laughs> um, I was interested in the sheriff. I think he he's he was because obviously we're dealing with a, a very um, homogeneous kind of um, Catholic society, and yeah, that's, he gets it, transplanted in there, and it's an. I, th- th- I think there's there's room for for some kind of of, of interesting thing to happen there, and I, it, it didn't happen though, really. They, they find a, a couple natural ways of having people who would be in this community but naturally exist outside of its religious sphere um for example you know this family of muslims they have this doctor who's a lesbian and that she wouldn't feel very welcomed there um you have riley himself who is you know gone through the the whole um alcoholism and stuff like that and kind of kind of lost his religion yeah and it, it makes a lot of sense why these characters 
would not be a part of this whole ultimately nefarious thing as it's going down, but still have a reason to be in what is an extremely religious community. Um, mm -hmm. Now, what they really needed was just one um, edgy atheist redditor to complete the uh, the circle, like 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 some fifteen year old. It's like ah, you know, Richard Dawkins and <laughs> whatever. And um, right, that, that I think that would have been too far. It would have been <laughs> silly in the way that this show is not, uh, which is good, of course. But yeah, because because already people. I've seen a lot of takes where people say this is, you know, it's all oh, it's anti, it's so anti-Christian, but so, it's not. It's it's very clearly not. Yeah, I don't. I, I it's if it's anything, it's it's against Christians who don't adhere to the spirit of the Bible rather than the letter right. of it. Which right. a, you know, that's that's a very reasonable group to take down. But b, even if it was anti-Christian, I mean, I don't know. It's it's art. Who cares? It, it just, it, you don't have to agree with it. You can still um, enjoy this. Enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, but it's, it's definitely, I don't think it's, I don't think it's anti-Christian at all. I think, no. I think, uh, I think Mike Flanagan, I don't know if this is true, but I think he's been on records. I mean, I, I know it is true that he was, he was an altar boy as a kid, hmm. the director. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think, I think he does have a soft spot for, um, maybe if not Catholicism specifically, but organized religion to a degree. So I think it's I think it's all a very fair kind of depiction of everything. Well, um, again, the 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 depiction of the priest character who's going to be the stand-in for the religion as an entity um, is ultimately positive. He's shown to be an inspiring, caring leader. Um, he has a tragic fall to some kind of otherworldly force. But in the end, still uh, shows himself to be the uh, inspiration right, that right. a priest should be to to his community. And right. when when you write it like that, it's really hard to say that he has no affinity for, um, if not organized religion, the the people inside of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like you know maybe it is somewhat of a criticism of the the structure of it or the 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 you know the the organization itself but it's it's not a condemnation of the people who believe in it mm. now um how how did you feel about the uh, i, I want to say the horror element but it's not quite a horror show which is fine but i guess the supernatural element how how do you feel about that i i thought it worked well mm. uh i thought it could have done maybe without all of the foreshadowing you know mm. what i mean i i, I maybe uh, go ahead i i i just i was just kind of contemplating maybe it would have worked well to not have you know the, the 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 thing appear outside of the sheriff's window or right whatever just just kind of let it naturally because i mean what's what's it really doing flying around and looking inside people's windows yeah, I, I'm of a few minds on this. I'm, I'm a man of many minds. Um, on the one hand, I liked the way those scenes were were executed in the sense that you kind of have a realistic look at that thing as if it was actually there. There's no 
camera trickery to obfuscate it. It's not um, deliberately hidden or anything. It's it's just oh, if I saw this thing in from that distance in a low light level, that's that's basically what it would look like. It's not it's not mm-hmm. dramatized, um, right. which made those elements feel a little more real, which I liked. But at the same time, there's no need for that kind of it's not a jump scare because it's not like a big loud noise, but there's no need for those like sudden shocks in in a very even show like this. Um, now, on the other other hand, I really would have preferred if things had been less explicit later on. Um, I I don't know how well served the show is by you know having having a, a Dracula show up for mass. For having um, a character like cutting through its wings with a knife, uh, I don't know. I I was never really gripped by the scenes that involved an active presence of of that entity. I mean, I think I think it makes sense. It makes sense um, in a few ways, but I would rather have had a version of this show where th- that didn't happen. What should have happened? It's a good question. Um, it, I mean, I'm not a professional, not in this sense. I'm, not, I'm, <laughs> I'm no writer, and it's it's a lot more difficult to propose alternatives for a show like this of this quality than uh, you know season one of the Next Generation. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so my thought is that like it it does make sense in the absolute climax to show all your cards. Mm. And just have him show up, and did did you need to cut holes in his wings and kill him? Maybe not. Maybe he survives and goes on to terrorize some other community. Well, that's that's what Midnight Mass really needs is a sequel, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> but overall, I thought it was it was it was fine. I mean, I thought I thought the depiction of of the Dracula was a little silly because clearly mm. it's an intelligent entity, right? But when it's when it's quote feeding, it seems to not understand that it's getting impaled yeah um, that bothered me it's it is strange where okay he dressed it up in in priest's garb um but also it's just completely unintelligent at times um yeah well no yeah because it stood it stood up there like it's clearly supposed to be intelligent right but then like just conveniently it's not sometimes so the the depiction of it is all over the place and that is something that bothered me about it yeah I, the one positive of this, um, very explicit depiction, not one positive, but a positive of it, is, um, it really drives home almost the insanity of the situation where, um, this priest is so far taken in by his, uh, life, life viewpoint, his outlook on things, his religion, that he sees a Dracula, and the only way that he can comprehend this is to uh, believe it as an angel. And as things get even more intense, you know, he's the priest himself is feasting on blood. This angel is, you know, contrasted with all the religious um, iconography in the church, and he's wearing the thing. And any, you know, anybody would see that this is crazy. Um, to take that and believe it to be a force of good, an angel, um, 
is, you know, properly unsettling in a way. Well, you know, maybe it is a force of good, and it's just it's just our perspective on it that's wrong, uh, you, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, they never say, oh, my God, it's a Dracula. It's a Dracula. Well, it's probably like The Walking Dead or whatever, where there's no such thing as a zombie in that universe. Uh, that feels a little but more ridiculous to me than this. Um, the, the the thing is, though, it is it is kind of all relative. And, you know, when you think about Scripture and, and the way that we've understood the idea of beings that are kind of above us there's a lot of different ways you can interpret that i mean they could be aliens they could be they could be you know what we consider to be classical angels they could be vampires I, what, you know it, it could be a conflict a conflagration of two two or three things you know so right it, you know maybe maybe it is that it's just like it's it's just a, a higher level of understanding than than we than we we're comfortable with i think one of the the monologues in the show touched on that they they had the um they were explaining how the early people looked at the stars in the sky and believed them to be um different things i think that was this show maybe i'm watching other shows that have this yeah no maybe 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 it is but it's i guess it is no coincidence that um the the initial appearance of the dracula was in um a a tomb a cave in damascus you know literal where where that um lore started up so I, th- I think it's fair enough to not fault the characters for thinking. Like, oh, I'm I'm not faulting. It is, it is a good thing. Or... Yeah, I I don't. I'm not saying that I that I fault the logic of the characters in the show. It's just as an outside observer, it takes on another oh, it's, level. It's disturbing enough. Yeah. That. Yeah. That, yeah. Right. Because yeah, 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 you you, you kind of get to see the the dramatic irony of it all, and it's almost a, it's 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 almost Greek tragedy like. Right. And that that's. Because the logic of the characters is uh, is as understandable as it is, the situation yeah. is as disturbing as it is. Because it's not, oh, why don't they recognize this as a Dracula? It's, oh my god, their commitment to their religion is this strong that they can see something so so um, vile and uh right and and that's that's why i think it's very clearly not not anti-religious because it's like everything that everyone does in this show for the most part is very logical and yeah. and anyone would have done it. Right, they're they're kind of because their devotion is so strong, they're they're more or less taken advantage of by this thing, and uh, they're victims, in a sense. Mm. Um, Every single one of them, yeah, yeah. Uh, but but you know, then then now you say that you know, if they didn't have their devotion, what would have happened? Well, if he didn't have his devotion, he never would have gone to Damascus. I suppose so, but let's say he did go to Damascus, didn't have his devotion. Let's say, okay, let's say he goes anywhere and, and, and uh, you know, the, the love of his life is dying and uh, he gets his blood sucked, becomes young again. Who wouldn't bring it back and try to save her, you know? That's it's, true. It's it's definitely, but but then then I guess it's a matter of community here. It's like the community here centers around a church, so it's easy to get them to kind of go along with it. Yeah, and Catholicism is such a, uh, it, it's such a perfect thing in the sense that there's that, um, the, what do you call it? The communion, you know, mm-hmm. where, they, where they're eating the bread and the drinking, drinking of wine, the, uh, and yeah. it's the metaphor for blood, which, you know, is very, very on the nose, but it's, um, it's kind of the perfect situation to, to tell a, I don't know, a vampire story? In that mm-hmm. sense, which, mm-hmm. and I, I'm going to take this opportunity. I loved a lot of the um, Catholic stuff 
going on here. Uh, going to Catholic masses for the first, I don't know, however, sixth of my life by this point. Um, mm-hmm. It's very nostalgic because it's it, nostalgic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Catholic mass is just the same the world over for generations that right. if, if you've been exposed to it for any amount of time and you watch this, you're like, Oh yeah, I remember this. I can, you kind of like, you can mouth what the priest is going to say. Cause it's the same mm-hmm. everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Which was kind of comfy. Yeah. And I, I think it was meant to evoke that too. Yeah. I mean, that's, you, you know, you mentioned uh, the, the writer director's history with, with that religion. And, um, I'm sure it's similar for him. Yeah. So I, I think I think there is some kind of modicum of, of respect for it in a way, or at least like you said, nostalgia. So there's there's something there for, for the people who uh who um have a knee jerk reaction to this being a, a an attack on Catholicism. Right. Now with I wanted more of this. I wanted to see more of this director's work because this was, you know, very good in a lot of ways. The writing, the directing. Obviously the performances, but that would be different depending on who he casts in other work. But um, I wanted to see more, and I, I was thinking about, okay, can I watch some of this guy's other stuff? And I realized because he does so much horror, straight horror work, that... I, I don't know if I'm going to find something else from him that's of this quality. If he's just making, you know, better than average horror films that are still horror films at their core. I, maybe I'm biased against horror. I don't know. Yeah, no, I don't know. I don't know if I'm interested either, really, to be honest, in in um, in straight horror stuff. It's it's really right uh, all kind of boring to me. So uh, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. Maybe it's good. I don't know. I don't know if I care to really go beyond this 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 show for now but but overall it was great and it was uh, good so mitch what did you think of midnight mass i would thoroughly recommend it i loved it from start to finish maybe there was a scene here or there that didn't strike me as um as core to the series as everything else but those are all nitpicks it's it's very high quality and very um exemplary of the talent involved and um it's not not much of a horror so if you're not a fan of horror kind of like we just said we weren't please still watch it it's really great well now that we've spoiled it all for you yeah please please go ahead and watch it well i would still say Uh, that there's a lot unironically there's a lot of merit still there there's a lot more to it yeah um we we do need to talk about kate siegel um the uh the the riley's riley's uh, crush or whatever uh, aaron green right um very very large woman the 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 wife of the director uh, which should explain a lot to you well that's unfortunate (laughs) i didn't know that um uh possibly the worst performance in the show yeah and one of the uh the largest amounts of screen time (laughs) she wasn't that big what are you talking about no, I'm not. I, no, I, that wasn't a joke. She has a lot of screen time. <laughs> yeah, she but, has a lot of screen time. Yeah. But when, when I'm saying yeah. she's not like fat, but she is a, a tall, built woman. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Which, um, you know, I don't know why I'm stuck on that, but whatever. So here's a question. Um, in this episode, Pulaski uses something called tricortazine. 
the relation between tricortazine and the tricorder, and the tricorder. is left unclear. Yeah. And right. I, I really wanted to know. Right. Well, um, what you don't know, Mitch, is that the tricorder is powered by tricortazine. So the same thing that powers the tricorders is going to be injected into Riker? Yes, yes. So, I mean, the, the, the tricorders have um, a, an element of, of AI within them, right? So they kind of have what, uh, what's analogous to um, uh, a nervous system. Okay. And that's, that's kind of what helps them operate. We've discovered this in the, in the far future. So, I mean, they inject Riker with, what, five milligrams of tricortazine? I think that's exactly right. And I believe it's for the purpose of staving off seizures. Right. So um, a tricorder, what you do is you put in a cartridge of um, tricortazine. Uh, yeah, like a like a hundred grams mm. of tricortazine. Like a hundred. And it's gram? like a battery. Yeah, oh. it's a yeah, like yeah 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 like a hundred gram. Okay. So um, and it's it's it acts like a battery almost. Mm. And so that's how they're powered. I see. And and they they, they last about um, two of your years. Now, is this like when you use a defibrillator and you jumpstart somebody's heart with electricity? Kind of a, a, another power source, you know, the tricortazine is a power source. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, exactly, yes. It's, it's, it's more or less a power source. Okay. So uh, there, there's multiple uses for it. And that's why it's called the tricorder. And that's why we couldn't call it the quadcorder going forward because there was no quadcortazine. Not that we didn't try. Right, right. Yes. Um, unfortunate, unfortunate event. Uh, what else do you have from this episode? Well, I want to say that this episode has the best shot in TNG. And uh -huh. you, you might not be thinking of it. Um, there's this shot of Riker uh, from season one walking out onto a cliff in front of a, of a matte painting of like a... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just screaming. Yes. <laughs> again the best shot in the history of tng i mean that must have been when was that shot because he doesn't have the beard I, I don't i don't even know when that was shot oh you know it's it was early it was early days it was a uh, yeah yeah now it was very diff. the timing of it was hard we had to find a day where it was lightninging and this guy was per an otherworldly purple um <laughs> right right very difficult shot to get and, uh, and then we never ended up using it right. until now. But we, we got it in there. And uh, yeah. now it's part of the overarching lore of the show. Right. Now, one might say that that was Riker's mindscape. They might. Right. His runescape. Do you, ever, yeah, is, you, you know what runescape is? No, what is runescape, Mitch? So RuneScape is a, is a game that my son plays. It's a game, a video game. And um, the, the interesting thing about RuneScape is that by completing various tasks, your your guy um, grows, he, his level increases. He started level like, one. Like he becomes bigger? Well, he grows as an individual. Not, oh, okay. Yeah. So let's say my... My guy's a fisherman. My fishing skill will start at level one. I'm not very good at fishing, but the more I do it, similar to real life, I get better and I go to level two and three and all the way up to 99. Now, the what it takes to advance to a new level increases every time your level goes up. So you got to try harder, which kind of makes sense. Your first year practicing something is 
you have diminishing returns than year 11 to 12 and year 0 to 1, right? Right, yeah. Are so, you so with me here? Yeah, so so what you're saying is you, you spend exponentially more hours um, picking away at rocks. Yes, and mm -hmm. the amount of effort and time it takes to go from like level 90 to 100 is more or 99, is more than the amount of time it takes to go from level 0 to 90. Wow. So, wow. Um, you must be very proud of your son. Yeah, I always, I open the door to his room and, you know, lights are off, except for the, the dim of the computer screen reflecting on his um, pastely uh, visage. And um, I say, you, you winning, son? And mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. he doesn't respond most days, but you know, when I he like. He does respond. Say. It's more of a like a like a guttural, feral, um, kind of bark, scream, mm -hmm. and uh, well, he's focused, right? Well, that's how he shows his affection. Right, right. Well, at least he's making a salary, you know. Right, right. Well, I, I, I he makes an allowance. Is uh is okay. what, he, what he does. Okay, that's fair enough. Yeah, and, you know, I'm uh, proud of my son. We're all proud of your son, Mitch. My yellow son. His son. The sheriff. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mitch, what did you think of Shades of Grey? Oh, uh, the Star Trek episode? I didn't watch it. I guess. I guess, yeah. I didn't watch it. You didn't watch it? No. No, I didn't either. Well, I mean, maybe we'll watch it next week. I, I just, I don't want to watch it. Alright, how about this? We'll, um, we'll pretend that we did. I'll edit this out. And, uh, we'll say that we liked it. I think most, right, okay. most people like this episode, so it'll be fine. Yeah, um, alright. Well, uh, I'll restart this. So, Mitch, what did you think of Shades of Grey? Loved it. So, I really liked it as an exploration of, of Riker's um, psyche and his mm -hmm. character's profile. In a lot of ways, I felt like I knew Commander Riker in a way that I didn't before. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, a daring episode, really. Mm. Um, really surprised they did this. You know, we, we talked several episodes about how we would love an episode that's very focused on medical bay right um and we got it yeah you know, we, we we got it in spades here um, because we spend most of our time in medical bay um well half our time in medical bay and half our time inside riker's mind which is incredibly interesting right. um it's a lot of things we've never seen before i just want to point out that this episode predates being john malkovich unless you were john malkovich in which case in you, which case, yes. you have been John Malkovich for a while now. But, um, yeah, um, highly recommend. It might be the best episode of the season. It ends on a high note. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's our time to say goodbye to Pulaski. This is the yeah. last time you'll, we'll see Gates in the makeup. I think, I think we've already kind of done our eulogy last episode, but just one more time. Um, R.I.P. We're going to miss you. Yep, yep, yep. Rest in medical it's a damn bay. Shame. Rest in medical bay.
So yeah. should I give you a question today? Yeah, you can give it to me. You can ask ask me it. Whatever you want. Um. All right. So this this episode, um, as you may or may not know, for this episode we had we had Eric going through the uh, the archives to to pull from from the earlier episodes to to get that whole clip show, um, and um, his his initial title for the episode was was different from Shades of Grey. Um, it was called Riker's Blank. Hmm. What's the blank? That's yeah. What's the blank? Okay. Is this a trick question? Is the answer Riker's blank? No, no, it's not Riker's blank. But that that would be a good title. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Could be Riker's mind, Riker's journey, Riker's demise, Riker's death, Riker's mm, grand adventure. Is it one word? It's one word. Okay. Riker's return, alliterative, strong. Uh, gotta choose one of these. Riker, I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna take a, a stab here. I'm gonna say Riker's voyage. Riker's voyage. Yeah. No. Nope. Dang. Was it one of the litany of other options that I said? Close. It was Riker's brain. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Yep, Riker's brain. Now, uh, story that I believe you already know, but I'll share for the ensigns out there. Um, the American rock band Fish once released a song called Spock's Brain. And yeah, that was the name of an old TOS episode. Right. And then in addition to that, they released a song called Riker's Mailbox, which had, no. had Jonathan Frakes playing trombone on. Oh, no kidding. Yes. <laughs> um that's hilarious so there's a bit of a riker's brain spock's brain connection if you ignore the the original series title which is an easier connection to make interesting interesting i mean we can bring this all around and uh, uh talk about the office again because trey was on that show trey was on that show and they pronounced his yeah. name wrong did they yeah well, how do they pronounce it? It was Stephen Colbert. I don't know why I remember this so well. It's kind of embarrassing, but Stephen Colbert was on the show, and he said Trey Anastasio instead of Anastasio. Ah, uh, and there I always I, thought it was Anastasio too. There I was sitting, you know, in my college dorm watching The Office, and I heard that, and I just started like jumping up and down, flipping, flipping out, like he said it wrong. He's Anastasio. What is uh, what is college dorm code for here, Mitch? Um, you know, well, it was somebody's college dorm. It it wasn't mine. <laughs> there's there's nothing wrong with robbing the cradle, as they say. <laughs> well, I know, I know, this has been one of your proclivities for a while. I mean, all of us, uh, in fact. But we I do work we'll, in Hollywood. We'll discuss that uh, at another point, of course. Indeed, indeed. Well, I guess that's gonna do it for this week. Um, join us next week on the readier room when we dive into the good episodes of the next mm -hmm. generation i don't actually know what the first one of season three is it might be bad i don't fucking know but yeah i forget yeah but the the it's the beginning of a new era join us then um before then shout outs to our sponsors which include actus the cactus stop 
and uh, Netflix, where you can now watch Midnight Mass. And um, also NBC's, um, what was your streaming service? Peacock, right. Where you can Peacock. Sh- right, where you can stream The Office. And uh, be sure to check those out, big friends of the Readier Room. And until next time, everybody, I implore you to please stay ready. The Troublesome Little Man Child. that in the history of many worlds there have always been disposable creatures. beginning, 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 beginning.